Ladies and gentlemen, this show is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, this is Stan Wangland, and welcome to Just Thinking. I hope everybody's doing great this evening, this afternoon, or this morning, wherever you are in the world. And thanks for joining me for uh, this show today. Uh, As I mentioned earlier uh, during the week, um, um, I I wanted to do a show or series of shows on uh, mass shooters uh, in the United States. And again, this is in the United States, not across the world. You know, there are people who, you know, there are mass shootings in the world, uh, not to the intensity level um, that there are in the United States. But uh, I want to center on, uh, you know, some empirical information, which means some real fact-based information on the situation. And uh, I've been doing a lot of research on it. And uh, there is quite enough to do 12 hours uh, on this particular topic, and it's really great stuff. Uh, it's a you know an awful topic, but there's a lot of terrific information out there. 
And one of the reports that just came out in August of 2019 uh, is from, <coughs> excuse me, the National Council for Behavioral Health. And they have a 96 page uh, report, which you can get online. Uh, by just going, uh, you know, to the National Council on Behavioral Health and looking for the report called Mass Violence in America, Causes, Impacts and Solutions. It is a fascinating, fascinating 96 pages that you can, uh, you know, certainly go from one area to the other to to uh, take a peek at uh, you know, what the empirical information shows from police forces all over the uh, country, uh, they've actually, you know, looked at uh, mass shooters, uh, you know, since 1966. And, you know, we even have a definition of these are, you know, shootings on of, that involve at least three people. Uh, with fatalities, so on and so forth. They really narrowly define this. There's FBI information in there. And there's a lot of stuff that's in there, uh, as we'll see uh, on this particular show, that um, you know you uh, might be familiar with or you, you think that you're familiar with. And then there's a ton of stuff uh, that's not proven out. For example, like the impact of mental illness on mass shootings where, you know, I'm a psychologist and I would probably make the assumption before looking at this that a vast majority of the people involved in these shootings uh, are mentally ill. And uh, while there indeed may be a portion of people who experience mental illness, that are, those are not the, um, that is not the high level, uh, you know, rationale for, uh, or the common factor with mass shooters. I, I also thought that, uh, you know, uh, mass shooters were primarily all white uh, males, and that's not the case, uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> mass shootings by the criterion of at least three or more people, <clears throat> you know, pretty much goes across, um, you know, racial, cultural, um, ethnic, socioeconomic status uh, boundaries. It's, it's very strange. I, I, I did not anticipate that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of information like that. I think it's a great thing as we're coming up on an election year. It's a great thing if you're sending, uh, you know, your kids to school and you're scared senseless because um, there's so much to go over, uh, you know, or there's so much, in, you know, in this particular report. Again, we couldn't possibly, we'd have to do a show on each particular section. There, there really is enough for 35, 40 different shows for, for all the different aspects of, of what's in the report. But uh, for example, um, you know, stuff when it has to do with schools, things like zero tolerance policies, things like, uh, you know, uh, shooter drills and things like that. Uh, you would think that these are the things that are gonna be great, uh, you know, to be involved in. And uh, when you're looking at the report of mass violence in America, they're not the ones that, that, that people who are in the know with threat management say, these aren't the things that are, that are really going to be the uh, solution to things or they look good, but they're not, you know, the, the meaningfulness of them is highly questionable. So this isn't put out by, you know, the gun industry or this is, you know, one of those kinds of things. Again, you know, this is the, the National Institute for Behavioral Health. And uh, again, you know, it's um, it has some very uh, interesting things in it. You know, I think the first uh, area that I, or the area that I want to carry, you know, to center in upon, uh, you know, in the beginning, were the, the things that you and I might be most interested in, the characteristics 
of these uh, mass violence uh, perpetrators, as they're called uh, in the report. And, uh, you know, um, it says right in the report here, it says, while perpetrators of mass violence can be categorized with respect to motivation, uh, you know, they were talking about people who uh, previously, you know, want to, you know, kill people for certain grievances or commit suicide afterwards or, you know, so on and so forth. They, they, you know, have a certain motivation. It says characteristics of an individual perpetrator often cut across demographic, sociologic, cultural and occupational group, groups. And that's what I was saying before, that it's it's not what we typically think. You know, you hear comedians say it's always some, you know, some guy, you know, some kid, you know, 22 years old or some some white male, you know, up, up in a room, a single person and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't seem to, to be the profile, because while we see these shootings that happen in California, you know, and they, you know, there's 10 people or whatever, there's a host of other shootings of people three or more, which count as these mass shooting incidents. So what does emerge from this, uh, you know, with the characteristics of shooters? There's a profile that emerges, yes, that are of males that who often feel hopeless. They're harboring grievances. And again, I've I made a list of, uh, of things, uh, you know, to, to, to go over here is, you know, as many as I can pull out of here. They, they seem to harbor grievances that are frequently related to their work, their place of work, if you notice. There are also grievances related to their finances or interpersonal relationships. So there's work, finances, interpersonal relationships. You know, these things that have to do with self-esteem. So these people feel hopeless. And the next feature that seems to be uh, a common characteristic is that these people feel victimized and they relate to others whom they perceive, perceive to be similarly, similarly mistreated who are indifferent to life and often subsequently die by suicide. Okay? They seem to relate to this kind of tragic person who, uh, you know, is similar to them that's been, been mistreated, but somehow or another, they're indifferent to their life and they die by suicide, who, uh, you know, plan and prepare for an attack and who often share information about the attack with others. So these people, uh, again, they feel hopeless. Uh, they have stuff that's related to work, finances, interpersonal relationships. They feel victimized. They start identifying with people who seem to commit suicide after they've planned an attack and, um, you know, carry it out and then kill themselves in some kind of manner or, or whatever, you know, something along those lines. And also with people, you know, they have this tendency to share information about the attack with other people. Which, you know, you wouldn't think, and this is where, you know, these folks put, will put this on their website or whatever, and then people say, oh, well, look, we, we saw it here. They said they were going to do it, but they don't share it with the intended victims. Okay? And this is, uh, this is a really, a really um, uh, amazing thing. There's also individuals who exaggerate uh, this is a tendency. They exaggerate, exaggerate and personalize slights, misfortunes, things that happen. And, uh, you know, their anger and fear uh, can stem from psychiatric problems like psychosis. 
You know, they, they, they think that somebody's out to hurt them. Uh, you know, there, there's, you know, people against them. Uh, you know, there's a plot, there's a plan, there's a delusional system. Uh, other people, uh, other characteristics of these perpetrators, uh, they are people who act out, uh, who have this misguided desire to end the financial, physical, mental suffering, suffering of their loved ones as well as their the, themselves. Now, this is common, uh, you know, with people who commit suicide. People have medical problems. People, you know, don't want to bankrupt their husband or wife or family or want to be, go as being extended caretakers. Maybe they hate the doctors or they hate the insurance companies or they feel victimized or slighted by somebody. Then they go in and, uh, you know, go in and kill somebody or a group of people or they think God has abandoned them or who knows what. Uh, that kind of thing. Fascinating kinds of stuff. So these are some different spins uh, that, the, you know, this institute, the, uh, the National, Insti uh, you know, National Institute for Behavioral Health have come up with. Now, there's also demographics that have come up from the FBI where they've identified uh, 160 active shooter incidents that they've reviewed uh, and they have their own subtype of mass violence, uh, you know, between the periods 2003 and 2013, and found some other interesting things. And th th it's wild stuff. Uh, they had 160 of these incidents, you know, that, that killed multiple people. All but two of them involved single shooters. So this isn't done by like a group of people or a husband and wife or a boyfriend and girlfriend or a couple of guys who go out and just want to start shooting up people. Whatever. These are single solitary people. 70% of the incidents involved either a commercial or educational location. So you see, this is a, again where somebody feels that you know they've been slighted in school, they've been slighted at work, uh, there's been a financial uh, insult to them or something like that. Another one is in at least five to six percent of the incidents, and that's that's significant. The shooter killed a family member before moving on to a public location. So here they may be holding somebody accountable. Now, on the other hand, in only about three and a half percent of the incidents, the shooter was a female. So you can see that almost 96 percent, overwhelmingly, the shooters are males. You know, why no females? What's the reason for that? In 56 percent of the incidents, the shooter ended the incident by either suicide stopping shooting or fleeing. In 40% of the incidents, the shooter, <coughs> excuse me, the shooter died by suicide. So that's a high percentage, four in 10. That was the goal, 40%. They're gonna kill themselves right afterwards. And of that 40%, 84% of those people killed themselves at the site of the shooting. That's, that's almost, you know, that's a huge uh, number. Now, the most recent information that's been found, and the one that's hitting the, the newspapers, uh, you know, particularly the um, newscast of Vice, which is doing a great amount of work on this, is the study by Langford in 2018. And he found some very interesting characteristics of mass shooters. He found that, uh, that most of the shooters were male, okay? It was approximately 24 to one, male to female. 
So that's a huge amount. And here's a, this was one I wouldn't have guessed. Race is equally distributed by population representation for white and black shooters. I, I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought they're almost exclusively white, but they're not. And I, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I, I, don't, I guess what that says is that these are normal kinds of uh, uh, normal kinds of things that you know that manifest an abnormal behavior. The slights, the hurts, the whatever. Uh, here's what else Langford found. He found that the attacks are often premeditated and planned. If somebody just doesn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to kill somebody. Most of the people are premeditating and planning them. Weapon choice may largely reflect the access, convenience, and the familiarity with the weapon. And so you see when we say access and convenience and familiarity with the weapon, this really gives some rise to support for the idea of, uh, of gun control. You know, what kinds of guns do you have access to? How convenient, you know, can you get a hold of these things? And also how familiar are people with these kinds of weapons? Are they floating all over the place or what? You know? Mass shooters also were very suicidal or life indifferent. They, they had no, uh, they seem to have no fear of suicide. No fear, no, they have an indifference, a lack of empathy in terms of killing people. Uh, so that's why people say, oh, the guy walked in, he killed children, he killed, they're indifferent. At that point, boom, it doesn't matter to them. And they're fully prepared to kill themselves. They have a perceived victim, a victimization of themselves or a group with which they identify. This seems to be another common feature. You know, either themselves or they may, maybe they say they're in a Christian group, uh, you know, or they're in a gay group or they're in uh, a white male supremacy group in the, 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 the demographics of the country, whatever. For many of these mass shooters, they're seeking personal notoriety and attention to a group or a cause. For many of the shooters, they perceive a very, very acute social and situational factors that contribute to drive the attack. Uh, like uh, our country's being taken over by minorities, uh, you know, males are not respected by female, you know, there's, uh, we need more, uh, you know, I've, I've been treated unfairly, my money's being taken away by big business, whatever. For many uh, of the shooters, they uh, leak to others regarding their intent to attack. And this is a really curious thing because um, I, I know I'm going to do another show on this uh, in terms of after the characteristics of the shooters, what can be done about these kinds of things. Um, this is where mental health providers, school teachers, uh, assessing threats in the community become really important. Uh, but for many, they, they actually tip other people. They say, oh, something's going to happen. You wait and see. Uh, for many of the shooters, they have a narcissistic personality set of features. That means that they're kind of attention-seeking people and they feel very, very undervalued. For many of the shooters, they have these paranoid traits. They have a deep sense of being disgruntled. Uh, they feel that they've been treated unjust. Uh, and these are the symptomatic behaviors that they have. For many of these shooters, they have deep empathy 
an identification for people that they perceive as similarly victimized and who responded to their victimization with violence. So what does that mean? Uh, long and short, it means that uh, there's some, some people that they identify with in some group that's been victimized that resorted to violence. And to them, they felt this was a, you know, a, a satisfactory conclusion. Mass shooters also seem to have a psychological fixation, a ruminization that, you know, it's when you ruminate on something, it means you go over it and over it with your head, you know, like when you have vengeance on victimization, hopelessness and meaninglessness. You know, and you'll hear this with people. Ah, don't vote for anybody. It's all the same shit. You know, that that's a, that, that school system sucks. It'll never change. All the politicians are the same. The government's always against you, whatever. So you're always the, the, the victim. Everything is stacked against you. It's all hopeless. It's all meaningless. There's no change. Don't light a candle. Curse the darkness. There's also the high likelihood in Langford's study that in the mass shooters that he studied, there was a high likelihood of one or more diagnosable mental illnesses. Okay. Now, it also says in the report that it's important to note that the high likelihood of having more than one diagnos diagnosable mental illness defines about 18% of the general population or more than 40 million people in the United States. Okay, so the overwhelming majority of those people are never violent. Also, many people with mental illnesses have diagnoses such as anxiety disorder or obsessive, compul uh, obsessive compulsive disorder that aren't associated with violence. You know, and Langford notes that um, there seems to be um, Mass shooters may be motivated by ideological, religious, and racist consideration, and suicide terrorists rely less on bombings and specific organizational supports and more on firearms as weapons and, uh, you know, these things that are capable of inflicting mass casualties these kind of things. So the perpetrators of these these mass shooters, they, they have these kind of really idiosyncratic or really kind of quirky uh, kind of preferences, uh, you know, on, on these things. So it's, uh, again, it's a fascinating thing with the shooters. Now, one of the things that I just want to do the show, I just want to have a few extra minutes on today's show. I want to give you some stuff that the U.S. Secret Service compiled on that's in this report that uh, is some information on 28 mass attacks during 2017, I guess, into eight, uh, 2018. And uh, the incidents were identified and researched, uh, you know, using law enforcement records, so on and so forth. And these included acts of in, uh, intentional violence in public or semi-public places. And again, where significant harm was caused to three more people. Okay, and it doesn't have anything to do with uh, criminal acts, but these are basically a mass attack, spontaneous group violence kinds of things. Uh, and here's what they found in these 28 mass attacks in uh, 2017. All of them were male. The ages range from 15 years old, you know, that's the youngest, to 66 years old, which was the oldest, with an average age of 37 years. 23 of the attacks were with firearms, 
three with vehicles and two with knives. So you can see that if people don't have firearms, they'll resort to knives, vehicles, whatever. Here's some interesting stuff. 15 of the attackers had histories of substance use disorders. Okay, so they were obviously self-medicating, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, getting high to, you know, for whatever reasons. It doesn't sound like it was just for fun, uh, probably to ease their feelings of anger and frustration and so on and so forth. Okay, 20 attackers, that's a huge number, had prior criminal histories, nine with domestic charges of, uh, you know, or police responses. 18 had prior histories of violence. So these weren't people with random acts of violence that the U.S. Secret Service was looking at with these mass shooters and, and you know, and so on and so forth, or mass attacks. These were people who have a, a, a clear tendency towards violence. 18 of the 28 had mental health symptoms prior to the attack. One half, that means nine, had psychosis, one-third suicidal ideation, and one-fifth depression. And seven individuals had prior histories of significant mental health treatment. Okay, so here, again, you have uh, some psychosis, some suicidal ideation. Suicide plays really heavy into this. Anger turns inward, you know, that when uh, we have to end it, okay, and depression. Motives for these uh, 28 uh, attacks, personal grievances, uh, 13 of them were, and uh, of them were personal grievances, and five had to do with domestic ones. One had to do with ideology and racial beliefs, or five. So you can see that, again, you know, racist stuff, things about uh, stuff at home, the job. Five of the seven attackers were motivated by belief systems, also, uh, you know, had these psychotic symptoms. Eleven of the attackers had a fixation with a person, an activity, or a theme, including personal vendettas, romantic conflicts, personal failures, injustices, delusions, political ideologies, so on and so forth. Sixteen of those 28 attacks harmed only random people, four harmed people that the attacker pre-selected, and six harmed both random and specifically targeted individuals. Amazing, amazing stuff. Eight attackers died by suicide at the scene or shortly after leaving the scene. You know, wild, wild stuff. So in, in these kind of things, what do we see? We see there's ideological or racial beliefs that fit into this. There's evidence of fixation on thoughts, aggressive narcissistic traits, threats uh, concerning uh, communication uh, about this to other people, and uh, other people, you know, had in, in 22 of these cases had elicited concern about the people involved, you know? So amazing, amazing stuff that's out there. Now, one of the uh, things I'm gonna do on one of the next shows is I'm gonna get into the in-depth study that they have in this report of 36 incidents of targeted school violence where 41 perpetrators took place 
uh, you know, if from the years 1974 to the year 2000. And there's some famous cases in there. And they're pretty similar to the, you know, uh, to the way that things are today. Uh, so it's a pretty fascinating uh, topic, mass shooters and their characteristics. Um, and I hope you found some new things in here like I did. And I also found uh, some things that I, that, I, that I would think would be in there. But it adds a lot to our understanding of who's doing what. Uh, in the world, how frequent it is, uh, you know, why it seems to be coming about based, based upon careful analysis of the information. And uh, as we'll see in some shows in the future, you know, what might be some, the best courses of action on how to uh, manage this particular threat? I hope you enjoyed this show. It's uh, It was a great show doing it. Uh, it's, uh, again, filled with a lot of accurate information and it's important stuff. Uh, and um, if you know this kind of stuff, you know what to look for in people. And you know what not to look for. Uh, because these are the trends that are out there with the people who are doing the real deal. Well, this is Stan Wangland for Just Thinking. And uh, if you like the show, rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. And if you want to contact me uh, with any uh, information or your uh, feelings regarding this, give me a shout out at swangland, that's S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D, at gmail.com. And I will catch you all real soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Thinking with Stan Wanglin. Please feel free to follow and subscribe on whichever podcasting service you use for your podcasting needs and give us a rating and review for Just Thinking with Stan Wanglin. And also, you can check Stan out on Twitter. It's at S. Wanglin. That's at S. Wanglin. W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D on Twitter. And you can also follow all the great shows on the Reality Check Podcast Network on our Instagram page, Reality Check Podcast Network, or on our Twitter, at our podcast network on Twitter. And if you are interested in advertising or sponsoring your products, your services on this show, all you have to do is hit me up at wwrpodcast.com at gmail.com and find out about the great rates to advertise on shows like Just Thinking with Stan Wanglin and the many, many more great shows on the Reality Check Podcast Network. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern-day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side, available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there.